Hello and welcome. I'm Sage. And I'm Karis. And this is the Cousin Coven Podcast. We're cousins, witches, and feminists, and we have some thoughts. In fact, we have a lot of thoughts, and we want to share them with you. On today's episode, we're going to talk about an archaic Pennsylvania law that makes fortune-telling illegal, Howlite, Hecate, Goddess of Witches by Courtney Weber, and Samhain. Please remember that everything we say is our own personal opinion, and that might not resonate with you, but that's okay. We're all on our own journeys. super important thing for pagan business owners in Pennsylvania. Guess you had the cops called on them in, you know, the year of their Lord, 2023, for practicing witchcraft and reading tarot in my shop, which is one of four in my small town. People with no time on their hands really want to come out and say, I'm like scamming people when there are actual scammers on Instagram doing that. Are you serious? The best part is the person, like they didn't even call the fucking cops. It was the police chief himself who saw an article written about what great things my store was doing for our downtown area, like cleaning up trash and building a community. But no, now I get to go deal with a law that has been on the books since the 18 fucking hundreds. Ah! Anyways, lawyered up. Let's fucking go. I'm not doing this today. Not my business. Not this Virgo. So today's hot topic for discussion is something that I saw on TikTok. A tarot reader and metaphysical shop owner and witch in Pennsylvania was interviewed by a local newsletter for Halloween, and there was like a total dust up that resulted. She received an email from her city council, and they let her know that the police would be stopping by her shop to inform her that fortune telling is illegal. Fortune telling and any related arts of witchcraft are banned in Pennsylvania. And offenders can face punishments of up to a year behind bars and a $2,500 fine. You can obviously tell that this law is old because $2,500 is not that big of a fine. But I mean, it's kind of a big fine. Okay, so it's kind of a big fine. But like this, this law is a very, very old law. So the fact that it would have been $2,500, say, two, three hundred years ago, that would have been quite the different amount. Yes, but even still, I think it's a hefty fine in a year. Like, this just, this makes me roll my eyes so hard that it hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Because why, why does there have to be a law? In 2023. That says fortune telling and related arts of witchcraft are banned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I mean. I don't know. I'm a tarot reader. We're obviously both witches. It's 2023. What the fuck? Like, this has me a bit irate. In a country that is supposed to be founded on freedom of religion, which that entire idea just makes me so irritated because it's it's only freedom of religion if you're a certain kind of religion. Christian. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that I use tarot as part of my religious practice. I know a lot of people do. So I don't understand if... 
we're supposed to have freedom of of religion why this type of law isn't unconstitutional like i don't get it and i really don't get how it is being enforced i wonder if it's one of those things that is also like you know you can't buy a hat on sunday without your wife present kind of laws mm-hmm but even the fact that it's on the books means that they could just bring it out whenever they want to enforce it. That's right. Like, oh, we want to we enforce this today. This is actually a law. Yeah. I mean, I personally think it needs to be brought up and challenged and overturned, obviously. I think that having something like this as an official law in a state this day and age, like, this should get people pissed off this should get people fired up but i mean at the same rate you know in certain states i couldn't don't have bodily autonomy either so i guess par for the course but like are we really just gonna sit still and allow these old-fashioned ideals and practices and beliefs that we believed we had outgrown as a nation like they're just they're coming back in full force i just think it's crazy like i just don't understand how people aren't taken to the streets I guess it does make me feel like there's a smaller sect of witches than I previously thought I guess I really I felt like witchcraft seemed to be really gaining momentum and the fact that people aren't like so pissed about this and it's not like headlining and making waves makes me think maybe there are less of us than I felt like but also I mean it's who controls the the stories that get out so I mean that is also true we don't know it's odd to me that being a practicing witch feels like such a political statement like I wish they could be separated you know but it, it feels like they can't be just like being a feminist like you can't be a feminist and not a bit of an anarchist I don't know well I mean I think doesn't that kind of go with everything a little bit <laughs> that you know you can't be I mean you could but you know I guess you couldn't be like Catholic and support abortion or something like that. Like it feels like they're all interconnected, you mean? Yeah, like even, you know, whatever one you pick, you'd still have some kind of affiliation that goes with your core beliefs, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. Not to say that any of them really represent anybody, but you know. Yeah, I do. I mean, I am hopeful that maybe because this gained some traction that something will come of it from what i've seen as far as updates from this shop owner you know people are definitely rallying and supporting her and also too i mean just a side note i thought it was kind of funny she showed the signs that she had up in her business saying you know this is what we offer da 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 and at the bottom like legally Mm -hmm. by law i have to tell you you know it's not fortune telling or i don't know the exact words it said it's not fortune telling take it at your own will it's for entertainment purposes only yeah which to be fair like i have that in my shop because nobody wants to be held liable if something were to come out of something they they read in the cards nobody wants to be held liable legally and she already had those disclaimers up legally yeah yeah I'll share her information so that you can follow her if you want to support her. I know they're doing like some sort of drive to help her out and she's obviously not shutting her shop down. So there could be some issues in the future, but I definitely recommend that, you know, if you're able to, to get involved, if anything at all, just 
share your voice in this whole mess because the more people who stand up and say like this isn't right the better Today's two-minute book recommendation is Hecate, Goddess of the Witches by Courtney Weber. And here is the blurb from Amazon's summary. Courtney Weber, author of Bridget and the Morrigan, offers an informed, accessible journey through the lore and history of Hecate, the ancient goddess of the crossroads, ghosts, and witchcraft, and reflects on Hecate's relevance today. Tools and techniques for incorporating this goddess into your personal journey round out the book. Similar to her other works, Weber strikes a balance between the scholarly and the spiritual. Her exploration of Hecate combines solid research with practical, modern applications. The spiritual content is accessible to anyone with an interest in witchcraft, regardless of their faith or background. Each chapter focuses on a different aspect of Hecate, exploring original mythology, historical context, and contemporary connotations, concluding with spells and personal rituals. The final chapter is a grimoire full of rituals, offerings, and other practices designed to help readers align themselves with this extraordinary goddess. This book also explores magical ethics and what it means to be a witch in the 21st century, as well as best practices for successful witchcraft. So why should you read it? As a little bit of a disclaimer, Hecate is my patron goddess, and I have worked with her for the last several years, but she does not have to be your patron goddess, or you don't even have to have a patron goddess, for you to work with her or draw in her energy. This book helps you to find ways to work with her that align with your own practice. So whatever way that works best for you. As the summer draws to a close, you may find yourself wanting to work with a goddess who embodies like the darker energies. And Hecate is definitely that. If you have at all thought you might be interested in knowing more about this goddess, this book is an excellent source of information and insight into who she is and what she's about. And it's a good stepping stone or starting point to learn some of that. Definitely worth picking up and checking out. So it's that time of year, my favorite time of year. It's getting witchy. Uh, <laughs> for Samhain. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's fall, it's getting chilly, it's the best time. Samhain is usually observed from the sunset on October 31st until the sunset on November 1st, which crosses over with some other things with other cultures as well. But Samhain is Celtic. You can tell by the way it's spelled because it doesn't sound like how it looks. And this is more associated with, you know, the end of the harvest season, the beginning of winter. We're in the middle of that. And this is when, you know, like after the harvest, things are dying, things are getting colder, things are... It's said, you know, I'm I'm sure you've heard of people say, like, the veil between the worlds is the thinnest on this day. It's a good time to get in contact and communion with people of yours that have passed on as a way to honor people that have died and also to bring them in with the living. There are different correspondences that go along with this Sabbath, as well as um, I have some altar ideas for you. So first up, let's talk about some deities. Some deities you can incorporate into your Samhain celebration would be Hecate. She's a great one. Um, She is the Greek goddess of witches and the crossroads. 
Another Greek goddess who would be great to incorporate is Persephone, who is the goddess of the underworld, as well as the changing seasons. Initially, Persephone was the goddess of the spring, but with her role of becoming goddess of the underworld and the significance in the changing seasons because of her descent to the underworld, she is really aligned with this time of the year because this is when she would descend. And, you know, in Greek mythology, that's why it starts getting colder and that's why winter begins. So the other Greek deity who's a really good association with this is also Hades. So that is Persephone's husband, god of the underworld. He's got a, obviously as god of the underworld, he's got a strong connection with death. So a really good one to incorporate into your workings. I do normally work with the Greek pantheon, but there are a couple of Celtic gods. Well, there's a god and a goddess that I wanted to talk about in relation to Samhain. I think they're really good deities to incorporate in your work. The first one is the Morrigan, who is the Celtic goddess of war, death, and prophecy. And then there's Carnunos, which is, he's the Celtic god of the cycles of life and death. The things that they rule over really go along with the energy of this Sabbath. Next up, I have some colors that are good to incorporate, either with your decor or on your altar, or maybe in the candles you use in any of your works. The first color is black, of course. That's one that you see kind of everywhere. And the significance is the growing darkness. So obviously the days are getting shorter as we get closer to the fall and to the winter. Black is really associated with that darkness. Then we have orange, which is associated with the harvest. So we've got leaves that are turning orange. We've got like gourds and pumpkins and things that are growing that we are harvesting at this time of the year. And so that's the incorporation of that color. And then finally we have white, which is really significant in the connection with spirit. And like Sage mentioned, that is really with the thin thinning of the veil this time of the year. Samhain is a really good time to get in connection with our ancestors or our loved ones who've passed on. And that white sort of symbolizes that connection with spirit. I'm not the crystal curator here. I know that's Sage's job, but there are a few different crystals that are really good to work with this time of the year. The first one is obsidian, which is actually really great for scrying. I know like the kind of typical crystal ball we see is a clear quartz ball, but obsidian is actually really great to be used for scrying in that way. It's also a crystal of transformation and release. So again, really goes along with those Samhain themes. Another good one is Smoky Quartz, and that one is good for protection as well as communication with spirits. Again, communication with spirits being a really big and central part of the Sabbath. And then finally, because the veil is thin, this is such a good time of the year for divination. And one of the best crystals and my favorite crystal to use for divination is Amethyst. So those are like three of the key crystals that really are good for workings for this time of the year. Next up, I have a few herbs to recommend. There is rosemary, which can be used in spell work. And obviously rosemary is like one of those powerhouses of herbs and it can be used for tons of different things. But one of the things that it can be used for is a remembrance of past loved ones. So you can put some rosemary on your altar. You can cook a dish that includes rosemary. That is like maybe something that was passed down in your family. Another really good herb for this time of the year is clove. And that is used for protection. 
I personally love the smell of clove. So for me, I'll take any excuse to use clove. And then finally, mugwort, which enhances divination. I just want to touch on some food and drink that you can incorporate that are really significant for this time of the year. There are grains, so like you can make cakes or breads. You can have potatoes or other types of root vegetables apples, nuts, cider. Cider is my favorite. And then finally, I want to talk about some ideas for Samhain-themed altars. If you just want to include some things on your permanent altar space that are significant for this time of the year, some ideas would be like dried leaves, acorns, pumpkins, or gourds. Usually this time of the year, I put like those small, like I think you can get them for like 50 cents at the grocery store with those small pumpkins. I put those on my altar space for just sort of de decoration, but also just as a nod to the season. And then also pumpkin seeds are a really good one, and those can be used for both decoration or for offerings. One of the things that you can do is to create a specific type of altar. And I'll talk about one, and Sage has another one that she wants to talk about later, and that's an ancestor's altar. But I want to talk specifically about a divination altar. So this type of altar is something that you specifically use for divination. So it's something separate and apart from the altar that you probably have permanently set up or decorated. You go in front of it just specifically, you know, to do your divination work. There are lots of different kinds of, of divination that you can try, and I definitely recommend checking out some different types this time of year. Some of my favorites, so definitely tarot is obviously, that's like my go-to. Tarot and or oracle, sometimes I'll do playing card divination as well, but tarot and oracle are really my main stays. But I also really love pendulum divination. There's definitely lots of resources that you can find online for pendulum divination, but that is another one of my very favorites. You can also use runes if you're into that. Another thing you can try is scrying. So there's tons of different ways to try scrying. You can use a mirror. Uh, you can use like a scrying mirror, which is basically a blacked out mirror. A bowl with water in it. Uh, so a dark bowl and you put water on onto it and then scry into the surface or a spear shaped crystal so similar to what you would think of if you think of a crystal ball other types of divination would be using a ouija board so you could use that to contact ancestors or loved ones that have passed on but you can also use a pendulum to sort of do something similar you can also try tassiography which is tea leaf reading i had I have not done that personally myself, but I have had tea leaf readings and they're so very interesting and honestly they feel they feel really magical, which is like such a strange thing to say, but they're so much different for me than like going getting my tarot read when I had the tassiography done, the tea leaf reading. It was just it was super on point first of all, but it was just such a such a special experience. Because I sat there drinking this tea while they were basically telling me everything that they saw in the leaves. It was such a cool experience. I definitely recommend, you know, going and checking it out. And if, if doing divination isn't something that you personally want to do or feel like you're ready to tackle, it's a good time of the year to to reach out, get a get a tarot reading done by a professional. You know, go to your local shop, find someone online that can can read your tarot for you. It's definitely an experience and I, I think it's one everybody should 
should at least try. So another altar type that's common for Samhain, and really some cultures it's common all the time, but an ancestral altar. So it's a good time to get in touch with your ancestors and anybody who's passed or even pets that have passed. So the important thing for the ancestral altars, you can put whatever reminds you of that person, whatever is representative of them. If you want to use like pictures or, you know, maybe they had a favorite tie or they really liked coffee, pie, whatever it is, you can put on the altar in remembrance of that person. This is common around the world. It's also that practice could be associated with the Mexican holiday, the Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead. A lot of Buddhist and African practices have this, like, all year, not just, like, one day. So, I mean, and if you want something set up all the time, go ahead. I mean, that's cool. How about some other spell worker rituals you could do for Samhain? Sage, anything? I like all the typical fall things. So, pumpkins, Hay, cider, apples. I mean, really, though, like, you could turn anything into a quote-unquote ritual. Like, going to the apple orchard can be a ritual if your intent and thoughts are in that as a purpose. Even drinking cider. Like, maybe you like hot cider in the morning, and that's a ritual for you. I think anything can be made into a ritual, really. It doesn't have to be, like a whole elaborate kind of thing calling the corners i mean you can do that for <laughs> sure if you want but sure even little ways i mean there's a lot where i think your intent and your like energy from your heart is what is really a driving factor in any ritual so anything can be made into a ritual taking a walk can be a ritual being mindful yeah, just like summarizing the whole season for me is recognizing that there's a cycle to life. This is the end of the harvest, beginning of winter, so things are taking on a different physical form. And in this transition time, there is a opportunity where things can maybe cross over a little bit more easily and you can connect with some people, pets, animals, whatever, who are no longer with us. And then know that the upcoming winter is on its way. Yeah, absolutely. So I, being the the resident tarot reader of the bunch of us, the bunch of us? The two of us? I have some tarot and oracle decks for Samhain that some recommendations. If you're interested in getting some decks that are maybe themed for this time of the year, I have a few different recommendations. So first up, I'm going to give some sort of basic deck recommendations. Then I'm going to give two themed recommendations and then I'm going to give two oracle decks. So the first two decks are more, they're just darker than some of the other decks that I use. I really love them. I think they're super fun. Again, you can use a Rider Waite Smith deck all year long if you want. That's totally okay. Or whatever deck it is that you like to use. You don't have to have different decks for different seasons, but some people like that. And so I just thought I would throw out the ones that I use. Just Karis is insane. Yes, just Karis is insane, and that's totally okay. If you're insane like me, here are some deck recommendations. So um, first up is the Dark Mansion Tarot. This is by Tarotica Studios. 
they are in, I want to say Poland. So a little pricey to ship to the U.S., but the deck itself is really cool. It definitely has a Tim Burton-esque theme or like vibe to it, but it's super easy to read with. It's very expressive. It's got, it's not at all a pip deck, so really great to read with throughout. Again, that's the Dark Mansion Tarot. And then the other one is the Gothic Tarot. So this one is a little bit more vampire, like traditional, like Halloween sort of theme. Vampire, gargoyles, that kind of vibe. So just darker and more of a Halloween aesthetic. Then if we are going to talk themed decks, there is... Buffy the Vampire Slayer tarot, which came out this year, which I'm a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And this tarot deck is really well done. It's well thought out. There are specific cards that when I just flip them and look at them, I'm like, holy cow, did they nail it spot on? They did such a good job. So could not recommend it more highly. Insight Editions is the one who put this out. And then the other deck that I am going to, going to, say is really great for this time of the year was also an inside editions deck it's the nightmare before christmas tarot it's definitely a lot more pippy than buffy the vampire slayer but it is really very good and i'm a firm believer that the nightmare before christmas is one of the epic halloween movies that i have to watch every single year and the tarot deck was just a must-have for me but if you're not into tarot as much or you're looking for some oracle decks that might fit this theme there are two that I'm going to recommend. The first one is the Halloween Oracle. Honestly, I think this could be used any time of the year. Even though it's called the Halloween Oracle, it is such a deep deck. It's really got some great messages, super intuitive, and great guidebook. So that is one. And the other, I'm going to probably bring every available one of these up anytime we do an episode on a Sabbath. But... The Seasons of the Witch decks. <sighs> they are amazing. I'm actually going to use this for our tarot reading for the collective that I'm going to do at the end of this episode. I'm going to use this deck. And it is Seasons of the Witch, the Samhain Oracle by Julia Diaz and Lorraine Anderson. Couldn't love it anymore. All of the Seasons of the Witch decks are absolutely so well thought out, so well done. The keywords are great. The guidebook is great. Couldn't rave. Couldn't recommend more highly. If you're not into tarot and you're looking for like some sort of divination deck that you would like to check out, this this is it. This is the one. Definitely recommend picking it up. This guidebook even has freaking recipes in it. It's got like a spiced pumpkin cake recipe. It's got different ideas about things that you can do relating to the topics, the topics of each of the cards. So all around great deck, great guidebook. To round out this, this topic, let's talk about some of our favorite ways to celebrate. Things that we like to do this time of the year. And I know you mentioned you like to do apple picking and things that are kind of like fall based. But like, are there any types of spell work you say for this time of the year? So like for me, I do like protection magic. I really love like candle and fire magic. So cord cutting, releasing what no longer serves, that kind of thing. Because, you know, it's all, all about... I feel like this is all about dying and letting go. So I really draw on that energy with my magic. And obviously I love divination. So that's for sure something I do this time of the year. And then 
I love a good Samhain themed dinner. That's something I try and do every year. I will. Those foods that we talked about as like correspondences or things that are significant this time of the year. I like to do a dinner that's kind of based around a lot of those those things. But what about you, Sage? What do you like to do? Going off of the dinner thing. I like the setting like a dummy plate or like a ancestor plate, I guess maybe you could say. Yeah. Like, you know, setting them at the meal. Yeah. They're still with you. I like that a lot. I am definitely less structured than you are. Well, yeah. On my whole life. but This is true. (laughs) Basically, just anything that you need to let go of, or I think that would tie into with some of our topics for our next episode on shadow work. Yeah. So figuring out what's going on, why is this the way it is, and what can I do about it, how can I let this go. I think it's a good time for that. Letting things go, putting them to rest, killing them off so to speak. For sure. Well, I hope that all of our listeners have a really great Samhain and, you know, you celebrate it in whatever way you find the most connection with. Oh yeah, for sure. I want to say, okay, just a little funny break before we cut out this topic. To preface this, I get made fun of for the way that I say this word. (laughs) I was raised by hillbillies. So, Karis, Will you say the word, you know what I'm talking about, and then I'm going to say it after you. I do. Halloween. Halloween. (laughs) Raised by the same people, folks. (laughs) Halloween. Halloween! (laughs) So, so happy Halloween, everyone. Lately, I have been, like, you know, in recent years, I try not to even say it because I'm just like, oh, you know, the day where the children dress up. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween Halloween Oh goodness Well however you celebrate I hope that maybe we've given you Some ideas that you might want to try and incorporate Into your practice but anyway I hope you have a great Samhain and a happy Halloween Right Sage? 100% (laughs) Welcome to the Crystal Corner with your curator, Sage. That's me. Today we're going to be talking about howlite, and the composition of this mineral is a calcium borosilicate hydroxide, aka a borite mineral. On the Mohs scale, it's about a 3 to a 3.5, and where it was originally found was in Nova Scotia in a gypsum quarry. The miners were upset that this unknown mineral was causing them a nuisance and them trying to get the gypsum out of the quarry. In 1868, Henry Howe was informed of this new mineral that was in this quarry, and at the time he named it silicoborocalcate, and it was later named howellite after Henry Howe by an American geologist. Areas that have significant amounts of howellite now are Mexico, Germany, Russia, Turkey, California, and Nova Scotia. It's usually found in nodules that kind of look like cauliflower. We typically know it to be white with gray or black veins running through it. Sometimes it can be dyed. So this is another one that's kind of sketchy in the market. How it can be dyed 
to try and be passed off as turquoise. So FYI. This piece is good for stress, communication, decreasing like anger and rage. Good for calming, calming to sleep. It's good to put a piece under your bed. I have a piece under my bed. Cleanse limited water because it is kind of soft on the most scale. So I stick to like sound and smoke. Whatever works for you. Also, I like to literally line up everything I have and put it on selenite as well. <laughs> so I I just in general kind of steer clear of water because I feel like it's kind of iffy with a lot of stones. And I want to do everything the same way. Thanks for stopping by the Crystal Corner. All right, so we're going to ask the same three questions. How can we best show up as our authentic selves? Where can we best direct our energy? And what do we need to create space for? So first, how can we best show up as our most authentic selves? We got reflection. Be wary of the things you believe to see with eyes wide shut. For they are mirrors of the mad and truths only spoken with a bleeding tongue. The keywords for this card are truth and fear. Reflection shows the person you've become, parts of yourself you wish you could hide, and your reflection doesn't hide the truth. You're being guided to acknowledge who you are at this time. Looking to the future is really great, planning is great, setting goals are great, but right now, we can show up as our authentic selves by looking at where we are in the here and now. You need to be honest with yourself. Don't hide from what you're facing and acknowledge the truth in whatever situation or whatever self-reflection you're doing. So where are we going to direct our energy? We drew ancestors. They hiss a quivering so deep only the roots of your soil can lift the nakedness hidden within the vows made in the silence. An ancient chill wake, walking upon the spine. These are little blurbs from the bottom of the card. The key words are protection and guidance. Your ancestors are with you, protecting you, keeping you out of harm's way. They protect you from things you can't see or threats that don't make it to you because they've they're watching your back rest easy you've chosen this card because you're being protected and guided even if you can't see how i think this card is really calling us to direct our energy to connecting with those ancestors who are you know watching our backs who are taking care of us even when we don't know that they're there really it's a very good time of the year for this card and then finally, we're going to ask, what do we need to create space for? And we got Graveyard. The card says, there is a song that bellows in the peace of knowing no end, in acknowledging the crossroads of eternity. The keywords are peace and acknowledgement. Graveyards are often seen as a symbol of mortality, but a graveyard can also be a place of serenity where souls can find peace and stillness and there's no struggle. It's a, it's a place of surrender. But the graveyard card is here to help you find peace with where you are. So it's a time to let go of the things that you can't control and accept that you can only change yourself 
and you don't need to worry about the things that are out of your hands. So it's a time for us to let go, let the stillness come in, and really allow ourselves to focus on where we're at and not where we want to go. A lot of times people say to you, like, you need to focus on where you're headed and what you will become. But this reading is really calling us to focus on the here and now. Focus on who we are and show up as that person. Give thanks to where we've been. Understand that we have a place where we're going. But really sit in the stillness of here and now. Sit in the stillness and let go of that past. Prepare for the future, but be in the present. It's kind of the vibe of this reading. Thanks for listening to the Cousin Coven podcast. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out future episodes to conjure up conversation and weave witchcraft into your day. Find us online at thecousincoven.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at The Cousin Coven Podcast. Love yourself and love each other. Blessed be. Blessed be.